Greetings, dear listener, and welcome to Rambling Symmetry, a podcast in which you'll join brotherly hosts Yanis and Sophian in their conversations on topics which they bear in their hearts and minds. Sophie and I are identical twins who were partly raised in France by a French mother and a Franco-Algerian father. We've been in Canada for about 20 years total. Soph works, and I am a PhD student in environmental studies at Queen's University. This podcast is our first attempt at getting our ideas and reflections out into the public. These episodes are meant to be raw and largely uncut. Each one will begin with the presentation of a social object as an opener to the topic. As you can see from the podcast's name, we are twins, or symmetry, that will be rambling. It's important to note that these are conversations between two brothers, so should not be taken to be dialogues between experts. There will be topics on which we shall be more knowledgeable than others, but our approach will mostly be conversational. So, sit back and relax, but stay on your guard, and please practice attentive listening. We welcome any and all comments, criticisms, and questions, as long as it's respectful and thoughtful. Hey everybody, and thanks for joining Yanis and Sofian on the Rambling Symmetry podcast. What we're going to be discussing today is, well, we're going to be having a conversation on sustainability, uh, or uh, answering or asking the question and then answering what are we willing to give up for the greater good, uh, specifically within the parameters of sustainability uh, as the topic of discussion. Um, and Sophian today will be bringing uh, the social object that we're going to be discussing, namely coffee. Uh, coffee as a product and coffee as a consumed product mostly. And as uh, I guess he'll be giving us a little bit of a spiel about, you know, what it is that we're going through right now within uh, the industry. Uh, Sophian has a bit of a background, uh, well, in coffee to some extent as a barista that he was for, what, two years? Was that it? Two uh, years? About a year and a half, yeah. A year and a half being a barista. So not extensive coffee influence or, or experience, but uh, he is uh, he has more knowledge than I do. So there you go. Well, let me start right off by saying that uh, I'm drinking coffee right now, so I definitely know what I'm about and what I'm consuming. Yeah. Uh, but uh, just a joke. But um, so what I would say about my experience as coffee is definitely a very specific one, not necessarily as a, a industry expert or anything like that, but having had my hands full of it and making it uh, quite expensive. Uh, kind of coffee that we would be making in these coffee shops, as we might call them, cafes, uh, bistros as well. Well, in those cases, we get a very specific experience of coffee, and it uh, is a slightly uh, protected, I guess, or or uh, yeah, it's uh, it's closed off from realities of of the world of coffee, uh, based on what I've been reading recently as a little research uh, setup for this podcast. I've encountered a lot of uh, information that's quite scary, actually, about the future of coffee, the sustainability of coffee, and here we're talking specifically as the environmental sustainability of coffee uh, supply for the market, but also, more importantly, what's at stake if we continue producing coffee and other crops like coffee uh, at the same rate 
and in the same method, instead with the same methods. So, uh, yeah, let me talk about my experience. So I just, uh, the cafe that I worked at, the one place uh, for a year and a half, uh, I think it was about that much time. It was very restrained because it was mostly a, uh, a certain amount of time, uh, but like uh, I worked a few weekends. I worked on weekends only, and uh, was uh, so both Saturdays and Sundays. That was that was my second. It was a second job at the time, um, and uh, I was doing it really not because I needed the money, but just because I uh, wanted to do something else. Uh, just needed to air my head out of corporate jobs and things like that and it was a nice relaxing com in comparison to the other jobs that I've had in the past uh, job then uh, yeah it was uh, it was uh, just for pleasure you might say but also you make a quick buck out of it too uh, probably very close to the amount of money that I was making at my office job anyway the day job the week job uh, so that was fun. Um, and you get taught a little bit about the industry obviously you know people want to give you uh, the context of the work that you're going to do. They want to try to make you care about it too as well, which is the first, you know, training and, uh, and set up process for your work that you're going to be doing as a barista, just like any other regular old job. Uh, novelty wears off quite quickly though. Uh, so you've got to have conversations with people in order to fill that space in your mind. But anyway, you get taught about where coffee's made and, uh, how it's produced, all the various methods that, uh, are, are used to, uh, to produce coffee. Uh, but you don't really get to learn too much about sustainability or the methods of work and how they affect the world, uh, and the industry, uh, unless it's to sell the idea that the operation is going to be, um, the entire operation, I mean, the entire enterprise of coffee making is going to be good for the world, the environment, the people that are producing the coffee, the workers, the farmers, everyone that's involved in the early part of the process. So 60% of the work, you might say, uh, for coffee production. And then, you know, what that does to people here, to our environment here, to our ways of thinking about ourselves in the world. So we get a little bit of that, um, but it's quite limited. And it's only by doing more research and having my own brother here, Yanis, as a, a, the, uh, I guess, gateway drug to uh, environmentalism, uh -huh. uh, to uh, to produce some some different perspectives on, on the industry and how uh, we might not be you know, getting the full picture and the fact that uh, if we don't change our work methods or methods, we might actually be entering into a red zone where we have no method of getting back. We might lose the uh, the coffee that we are getting. We, we might not have access to it. We might uh, be destroying the environment around with the production. And it might not be good for us as a society to keep on doing these things, not just because we're going to lose the environment to a certain extent, but also we're losing ourselves. Right. Okay. So that was a nice long spiel. Uh very interesting stuff. Um, I do want to say, I completely forgot to say this at the beginning. Um, uh, Happy New Year. Uh, we are recording this on the 1st of January, uh, uh, the, the day after uh, some really fun times uh, with the family. Uh, there has been some drinking last night, and uh, I am somewhat hungover as some people might be able to hear from the voice 
Uh, but so, I mean, I'm not going to apologize for that. I mean, that was being, that was... Now, fun. you've been listening to a lot of typo-negative uh, interviews, so you you sound a little bit like the like the depressed version of them when they when they try to sell their, their disc or yeah, something. Yeah, typo-negative is a really great, uh, specifically 90s and uh, early 2000s uh, uh, metal, goth metal band, as, they, as the media likes to call them. Well, but anyways, yeah. so it's been affecting the way that I sound. Uh, because I've been watching a lot of interviews and their music right now. But anyways, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let Sophian derail my comments here by right. making it about me. I'm just going to say right now that um, yeah, this is gonna be this is some tough stuff to talk about. Um, so you know, uh, I know we we try to I try to keep it light, but at the same time, the the topics that we bring up. You know, the first topic, the first episode was about untold numbers of indigenous people being murdered by colonialism. Uh, not a not a a topic that you know that makes you uh, smile. Let's yeah. say, unless of course you're a we- really weird person that uh, you know that enjoys that kind of stuff, that enjoys right. the suffering of others. Yeah, you uh, could be a colonialist. Yeah. You know, you might enjoy too. But, yeah, but, but anyways, if you do that, then you know, kind of screw you in a sense. Yeah, uh, but we don't like you. So, yeah, we don't like you, uh, and we don't care what you think. Um, so, at the same time, well, so, within that, so just to get back to the topic at hand, so just to know the context, uh, we are a little bit, uh, you know... Tired, hungover, Tired, hungover, partied, partied out, you know, uh, but waiting for more. Uh, never too, never partied out completely. Uh, so, yes, um, uh, this t- podcast is a little bit last minute. But, you know, it's it, it's okay because this is conversational. Um, so just to, before we get down and dirty into this conversation about, you know, the system, I mean, Sophie's already kind of gotten down and dirty with uh, some of the, you know, his discussion on coffee and coffee yeah. making yeah. and coffee production and consumption uh, as a barista. I just wanted to uh, provide some uh, some. Some very, uh, I just wanted to bring us back to, uh, you know, if when we're oftentimes when we're talking about sustainability, what I hear or what I read, uh, we're talking, it seems that the, in the mainstream, a lot of people think that sustainability is about sustaining the world as it currently is and sustaining the lifestyles that we have right now and the practices that we have right now and 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 really sustaining this this kind of world of always more, of always more consumption, of always more. Um, like, like today when I, when we had the first coffee immediately after having two, two cups of coffee, I wanted more. So, so I asked Sophie make another batch. I want more. Um, uh, so, so there is this, this is, there's a sense that, that the kind of world that we're trying to, to protect is that world. Um, there is no actual question as much in the mainstream discussions on sustainability as to what world we're trying to sustain. Uh, that's only starting to make an appearance in some of the discussions, and usually the people who bring it up are are often said to be, uh, well, uh, you know, the naysayers that uh, of the world, you know, or the commies or the socialists who uh, actually, have, yeah, the alarmists that have a project, an agenda behind all this. Um, so I'm kind of getting the feeling from the people on the political right that they're starting to think that this is all a conspiracy theory, uh, like a conspiracy uh, that sustainability is actually not a problem at all, that climate change is not a real problem, uh, that it is uh, fomented uh, f- so that 
you know, we can, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's leftists who are bringing this up, trying to make us think that the world is going to explode when in fact it's not. And, and when actually a lot of environmentalists themselves are themselves not very much on the left. I've, I've encountered not, not, maybe I'm just talking about my, it's my own experience. Yeah, definitely. But I've met people who are supposedly leftists that are environmentalists and they're not, they're not very much on the left. Actually, when you look at their politics, they, they don't have a problem with property. They don't have a problem with renting and things like they don't necessarily have that much of a problem with the status quo they just want to make it a little bit reformed you know so yeah so it's uh again like this that's a lot of we're, we're doing a lot of generalizing here but you know i'm i watch a lot of i listen to a lot of podcasts i listen i watch a lot of videos uh, you know some of these uh some of these are french videos where i see some some radical we would say some people would say radical environmentalists or i would say people who are just seeing the truth they do the science, they do the math, they show you that if we keep on living the way we do right now, the always more, uh, uh, life is not going to be sustainable at all. Uh, so uh, people who say that are, are treated as alarmists, um, and alarmists in the, in the very negative sense that they are alarmists about, that they're trying to cause panic in a sense. Yeah, that it's um, false, it's exaggerated. Or that it doesn't exist at all, and that where this is all just a conspiracy to bring communism. Uh, but yeah. but I guess let me qualify like, what I was just saying because I, I don't want you yeah. to feel insulted because you're an environmentalist to a certain extent. So uh, what I meant is not that, yeah, there, there are lots of leftists in the environmentalists, but I've met some that aren't. And the way that they are, they are perhaps radical for environmentalism. But when it comes to social issues with perhaps workers' issues and all that, then they're not so left-leaning uh, as you might think. In fact, they might be reactionary in some cases. Yeah, and and then so, and the more the more I study this stuff, the more I talk to you know people like uh, uh, there's this great uh, there's this great professor uh, at Queen's University uh, who who worked for Greenpeace uh, when she was uh, younger, uh, Kyla Tianhara. She's mm. she does a lot of really good research, and she she she's kind of instrumental in kind of bringing the ideas of the Green New Deal to to uh, to the university and Canada. And all general, that. Yeah. So so yeah, Kyla Tianhara. I'll put the name in the in the description later on. Uh, but she's 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 got some very interesting arguments to to show that you can't really be. There's no such thing as an uh, or there shouldn't be a thing as an environmentalist that that is environmentally minded or you know that is that structures their thinking about of the environment in terms of needing to save the planet and then and then kind of disassociates that with uh from um uh, uh the social issues uh, she doesn't believe that's possible uh, uh -huh. if if you do that you're for her you are not an environmentalist so yeah. so so and then I like there, that. there's very there's a lot of people who believe that uh unfortunately that is not how environmentalism uh shows up in the mainstream um uh, and when i talk about the mainstream i talk about well, how do the, how does the the majority of the media, the large media corporations, all that? How, how do those people talk about it? Um, how do governments talk about it? Uh, and how do how do they actually initiate it? Um, you know, th there's not much thinking about that, or there's not yeah. much work going on that 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 actually takes in what people like Kyla Tien are. Uh, yeah, I think you've encountered we... recently in some of your classes as well. Uh, some backwards thinking also mixed into it you know what you might you might it's proto or close to being conspiracy theory but also is 
just eugenics, deep eugenics, mixed into the whole theory of existence, humans, humanity, the world, in population, in density. Uh, well, remind uh, an example. Like I kind of, I've, I've met a few in the past folks that are super, super into environmentalism, but at the same time, they believe that if we reduce the number of humans on the planet because we have overpopulation, oh, yeah, that because well, uh, it's yeah. still it's still a popular idea, even for people who aren't necessarily you know you might call them lay people or something like that in environmentalism, like myself, for instance. Then, uh, in those ca- in some cases, they they still bring those, and, and you, those people tend to be on the right because they think that there's a certain sector of the, of the population of the world that's you know doing really poorly in terms of sustainability. They tend to be people in the global south uh, because it's also a matter of uh, of, uh, of development and all that. Because yeah. usually development is less unsustainable in the global north and uh and so that's that's the assumptions that's the point of the assumptions Uh, you know what i would say about that about that whole discussion on population uh you know the population caps and you know all that i would say the 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 worst enemy of environmentalism right now is this singular thinking about you know that there that there is one singular issue or singular cause to all of this yeah. that is population levels mm-hmm. and that there is no such thing as the lifestyles that we lead mm-hmm. uh, there's yeah. all uh, you know the the people who think like uh, I, I at some point population is an issue yeah at some point population does become an issue yeah however this population is never an issue when at, on just on its own in terms of the life. It's it, it it's about the lifestyle. If we were all, all I I believe that you know with the current population that we have now on the planet, if we were all ascetics, you know I you know and we we were all minimalists, mm-hmm. I think we would be a lot better. Yeah, yeah. But however, there is such a thing as the amount of space that a species takes up. On mm-hmm. a planet, I think that even if we were all ascetics and there were, you know, uh, it's hard to talk about the numbers because it's I'm not a mathematician. I, I and you know to talk about the limits, you know, the reaching of the, the limits of the po- of population of of the planet. I'm yeah. not so clear on what those limits yeah, are. If you're talking about ascetics, there's there's quite a lot. There's there's virtually no usage of nearly the amount of things right. that we use. So today. it's not even about that. But say we ha- say we had like a hundred billion, I don't know, yeah. ascetics on, on the planet. Yeah. And they all had a hut. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, huts aren't very big. But if you have huts all over the face of the earth, that's not sustainable anyways. Yeah. So so there is, a, I, I'm sure at some point the numbers have, a, you, there is such a thing as too many, yeah. too many people. But it's not clear right now no. that we have too many people. No. Just because there are too many people, it's clear that we have too many people living a kind of lifestyle. This life, this lifestyle of always more, this production of always more, yeah, and consumption of always and more, consumption yeah. of always more, you know, in in on more space, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, that you know that you know because there's it, a space that's used by those people right. uh, for living. There's yeah. a space that's used yeah. for. The sustaining themselves production. and also not just sustaining I mean, what I mean sustain is like the basic sustain, sustain yeah, 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 like yeah. Uh, it's a um, basic pyramid of needs or something like that that you want to talk yeah, about and then there's people then there's a consumption of things that we don't need on top of that space for right, all that exactly. and then to throw it all away when you don't need it anymore yeah so then then you get like all the space used for dumping 
you know mm-hmm. so that that comes into the picture it's all the space that we use that is not necessarily you know uh what is it what an individual uses you know like no not a few people here in in our day and age actually go out and walk on dumps or use dumps you know you know out of their own volition you know they go out there and they walk and they actually use a dump nobody yeah. really does that as much anymore however we still use it by association because yeah. we throw away our stuff and that all that stuff ends up somewhere yeah right yeah that's right so so that's that's the kind of use uh, but i guess the thing that i was trying to just to get back to yep. the structure We're rambling here yeah we are we are definitely rambling here but hey that's part of the thing uh so i guess one of the things that i wanted to do is to bring us back to uh, this question of sustainability. And if we are sust- talking about sustaining the world of today, uh, for those people who believe that, that, that w- that's what sustainability is all about, um, let's talk about the world of today, okay? Um, well, the world of today. I'm reading this thing here from Yale University here, this little recap of you know what's what's been lost already or what, what the, how bad the problem is. So... Here and I'll post this this the, the link for this uh, for this specific article here on on the description of the episode. Um, so, yeah, humans have altered about. So I'm quoting this: humans have altered about seventy percent of Earth's land surface and ocean. Wetlands have lost eighty five percent of their natural area. Kelp forests have lost 40%. Seagrass meadows are disappearing at 1% per year. The ocean's large predatory fish are two-thirds gone. Um, Coral reefs uh, have lost half their living mass. Agriculture has halved uh, the uh, the weight of living vegetation on land, driving a diversity loss of 20%. Uh, 40% of extant plants are currently endangered. Farmland animals and humans now constitute 96% of all land vertebrates. Only around 5% are wild, free-living animals. The world's wild population of birds, mammals, fish, uh, reptiles, uh, and amphibians have declined by an average of nearly 70% in just the last 50 years. A breathtaking plummet. More than seven, it's not over, more than 700 vertebrate species have gone extinct over the last 500 years. An extinction rate 15 times the natural rate. So that's the other thing, is the rate at which all this is happening. Okay, that keep that in mind. These disruptions and declines have caused the deterioration of soil, air, and water quality, pollination, carbon sequestration, and human health. Other things have increased. Floods, fires, the numbers of malnourished people, plastic pollution, general toxification, and infectious epidemics. Uh, So, you know... It's so so th- that's a bit what we're talking about here. If if we are sustaining the world of today, you have to realize that the world of today is dying. So you want to so when people like to talk to me about sustainability and the sustainability that they're describing inevitably means uh well we're just going to keep we're going to try to keep the world that we have today and make it more resilient or make it more adaptive to the changes that we see um we're talking about death like we're literally talking about the world dying you know all this lively stuff that we have is dying 
Um, so how are you going to sustain and adapt and be resilient in a world that is literally dying off? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. And keep in mind, when we're talking about extinction here, usual extinctions, and the usual, you know, advisedly use that term, uh, the past extinctions that have happened have taken thousands of years to, to happen. Occur. Yeah. This is happening in the matter of, he's talking in this, in this, in this article, the author is talking about 50 years, 100 years, pretty much. That's the span of time that we're talking about in the extinction process. A uh, f- famous book that you can look up is a sixth ex- extinction. Uh, who's the author of that? Uh, this is uh, Carl Safina, and this was published January 27, 2021. So it's fairly recent. Um, it's kind of getting old now since we're entering 2023. But like this is Yale Environment 360 is the name of the website. And it's uh, it's Yale.edu. And what's the article? Uh, the article is uh, titled. It's an opinion piece, and it's a ti- it's titled "Avoiding a Ghastly Future: Hard Truths on the State of the Planet." So, um, and apparently, uh, Safina. It's not clear who Safina is at this point, so, but we'll I guess narrow that just down to, just to synthesize this, so uh, the ideas that you've brought here. A lot of bad things happening, obviously. There, that's uh, that's how ghastly we're looking at the at the issue. Yeah. But specifically, bringing it back to coffee, for instance, this is the foot in the door to talk about exactly what sustainability is, uh, what the goals are, and Yen has brought it very clearly to the fore. I think is when we're looking at companies that produce or that sell coffee, uh, they're looking at specific kinds of sustainability for their businesses, right? Just like any company that talks about uh, any kind of sustainability with uh, a uh, ecology or uh, ecological, yeah, ecological and uh, environmentalist aspect. Uh, they're trying to sustain, and this is very much in their nature, so we can't necessarily blame them too much because it's necessarily in their nature to want to sustain their businesses and their livelihoods. But, so the question is not... Um, are these people really being sustainable? The question is, why are we even tackling this kind of sustainability if it necessarily will lead to further extinction or, first of all, very clearly, the unsustainability of the world? So, are we looking at sustainability in the wrong manner? Uh, are we looking at it too individualistically and not collectively enough? Yeah, and hence the question, what are we willing to... Uh, we'll, we'll give up. Is that is that what yeah, the question was? That's uh, the question. Yeah, generally, it's uh, what are we willing to give up for the greater good? Yeah, in order so that uh, those uh, vertebra- vertebrates or reptiles that we're losing might live a little bit longer. Because so it talks about animals, and some people don't give a shit about animals. Uh, but the, the we're not just talking about animals. We're talking about plant life, insect life, and we're talking about eventually, eventually. Us humans, we're talking about the survivability of the human race. It's the web of life, right? Uh, the web of life con- con- concerns us too, since we are part of life. No one can deny. We learn about the food chain. That's one of the first things we learn about in, in elementary school. Is what the food chain is. Obviously, we are at the top of the food chain because so far nothing's been able to destroy us or at least uh, hurt us like we hurt animals or or destroy our, our species or something like that so we've gotten we're at the top of the food chain at up to this point but uh, to a certain extent we're our worst enemy we are probably going to be the ones to destroy ourselves unless you know barring an invasion from aliens that destroy our species somehow well i mean you know so there's there's any if any anybody here uh, if, if you're listening and if you've read uh 
uh, oh man, why am I? I can't. I can't believe I'm forgetting her name now. What's her name? Uh, on being edible, uh, she has a, a text. Uh, Plumwood. 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 Yeah, yeah, there you go. Plumwood. Don't think I've heard uh, She she's got a. Uh, I'm blanking out on her first name right now, which sucks because I love. So her. where is she? Where what does she do? Well, she's an Austri- She was. She died recently, uh, or not recently, but in the early 2000s, I think. Mm. Uh, she was. Uh, she was a uh, an Australian ecologist and philosopher, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And That's she right. was. She was very. Uh, she was very in, uh, interesting to read and integral in, 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 I guess, my first dealings with uh, the, the thinking about nature. Val Plumwood. Val Plumwood, yeah, uh, uh, Val Plumwood, and uh, so she she was interesting, and uh, Mick, my supervisor, actually knew her, so it was interesting. Interesting. Two thousand eight. Yeah. yeah. So she she's interesting to to person apparently. The the, the her story was that uh, she was kind of putting pressure on this whole idea of human beings on top of the food chain because human beings that go out into the wild as in the, the real wild where there are predators about we are not at all at the top of the food chain when we go out there. Mm-hmm. The very point of this whole manipulation of the food chain such that we you know don't have to go hunting was the very point of that was because we knew that we were not that if we will go out there we have no fangs we have no we have no claws we we can run fast maybe a little bit but anything on four legs runs faster than us um so um you know, oh, out the there, she she was she like she she was the person that put out this whole. We have to remember that we are edible too. We mm-hmm. live in a world where, um, unless we're unless we're when we're outside of our cities, uh, which are these gated communities basically away from the world that are that is, and these communities are now you know kind of removing the gates, yeah. opening the floodgates. We'll say uh, that that are they're spreading this urbanization. You know, it's kind of our, uh, I don't know if it's a, it's, it seems to be, well, it, it was a conscious, uh, you know, back in the 1600s, you know, it was, a, it was a, a conscious desire to open these floodgates of urbanization such that this wilderness, this, this, this kind of devilish wilderness that cannot be controlled, cannot be understood, can be destroyed. I mean, that's, that's kind of what's, if you, if anybody's seen the, the movie Vich, uh, which is about uh, you know the the first uh, Europeans to land in um, or the first Anglo-Saxons I guess to land in North America. Uh, it's about witches, sure, but it's also about nature and in, uh, human beings making making the world more pure, more godly uh, by by you know cutting down the forests and and, and flattening the landscapes in, in mm-hmm. a sense, such that the the light of God can kind of purify. Uh, because these forests are dark and they're filled with mystery and 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 you know deceit, you know and you know so th- there's a lot of so that that movie was very interesting because of the the way that it portrayed the wilderness, and so what I like about Val is that she puts she she comes back and she, because she she was she was out kayaking or canoeing I think one day. Um, in uh, in Australia out out in the bush and uh, and and she was attacked by a crocodile. Mm-hmm. A crocodile that almost killed her, mm-hmm. uh, and she 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 swam away, uh, hiding within the mud on, in the uh, in uh, at the run in the riverbed. Yeah, and then she sw- she swam away and then crawled to safety. You know, I think it was like a forty-eight hour crawl that she did 
to well, safety. Yeah. So yeah, so she she died young, but I think there was some that she she some left yeah. leftovers from from that attack. Yeah, when she was yeah. quite young. So she's definitely so, got a very intimate. Uh, feeling with uh, sa- safety but also da- danger but safety yeah, as well yeah, because she was able to use the environment to uh, the, the 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 ghastliness of it all to hide from right potential well, death so so that's the thing is is when we think about the world as this uh, ourselves at the t- at the top of the food chain like that is something that is not actually the case okay uh, mm-hmm. we are top of the food chain only in the sense that we have manipulated the food chain to not be itself anymore uh we have you know we we've you know uh, learned the husbandry and we've learned you know uh you know uh, you know all these agricultural practices of you know uh pastures and all that we've we've learned to 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 artificially manipulate species entire species of like cows and chickens such that now they only do our bidding because we lead them to do our bidding but when you go back outside into the wilderness, uh, you know, unless you have training or you're from a, a society that, had, that, 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 you know, prioritizes the training of dealing with wild situations, uh, most of us are, are at the bottom of the food chain. Yeah. Maybe that's why uh, Jumanji is such an interesting uh, look into, uh, into the heart <laughs> of darkness sort of story. Yeah. But anyways, let's get back to coffee. Yeah. Coffee. So... What do you have to say, Sophie? Well, I guess I did have some notes. Uh, definitely, Ooh, there's a book, by the way, that was uh, published posthumously about her experience with the ta- with the um, the crocodile, saltwater crocodile. That almost yeah. yeah, 1985 is when it happened. Yeah, uh, published 2012. So, notes that I had made about this. So, also another question that I had about sustainability is how we look. Uh, at the issues that we're talking about uh, and how we now, generally in the mainstream, view uh, sustainability or ecological work uh, so that we can, you know, learn to save the world pretty much mm. for ourselves and all that. Well, the basic point that you made as well is an important point is that um, um, we have a certain way of seeing things uh, to keep. We, we, we've seen now, we've definitely crystallized this idea so far that we can try to preserve or where we want to try to preserve the way things are, a sort of status quo, which is to keep a capitalistic churning production of the status quo, of, of production. Uh, and uh, in, in our, well, the way we've, we've, as a main society, mainstream, let's say Western uh, global North societies or something like that. The way we've understood, to a great extent, our work as individuals to help slow down or preserve the way things are, uh, and also the environment, is to do it, but only so far as we don't uh, stop the pr- flow of production, the flow of, of consumerism, pretty mm-hmm. much. So, so I wanted to look at those 
those those methods that we have and there's many and it depends on each country but a lot of the things that uh, that's been very popular around the world is recycling for instance and i wanted to ask you specifically in this case uh, not just specifically for coffee i know we want to get back to coffee but the big point that i'm looking at here uh we're not looking at recycling when it looks like when we talk when we talk about coffee we're not looking at that really we have recycling but that's just because everybody else is doing it is because it's enforced that we do recycling in coffee business or something like that so i want to just to talk about in general what it is about mainstream ideas of um environmentalism and uh, and the methods that we've used to try to in, uh, infuse uh, in our daily lives sustainability or how we can get the sustainability and what's wrong, what's right about what we've done so far. Well, yeah. Um, well, when it, in terms of coffee, uh, the practices of the industry, it seems to be that, uh, well, you know, back in the day, uh, people drank in glasses or glass cups yeah uh nowadays people drink in paper cups and i you know i keep getting told you can't recycle those cups yeah um so that's, that's right. one thing one the, the 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 stuff that we uh the the containers that we use that these temporary containers that we use to drink the coffee in are no longer no longer the same so it seems to me that that there is a there is a potentiality uh, uh that re- recycling is uh, is good but it's a band-aid solution for a lot of these things if if we could just re- sometimes recycling is not the answer mm-hmm. sometimes uh, uh going back to the past way that was drinking in a glass cup or gl- drinking in a in a, mug. In, a, in a mug you know uh a dirt you know clay mug or whatever um is probably the best thing to do you know, those might break, but you know, there's a lot of dirt out there that you're, there's a lot of clay out there. I don't think we're going to run out of clay anytime soon. So, you know, so, sometimes, so uh, in that sense, recycling is, uh, the, 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 is not the answer. Uh, recycling is just, uh, it's a band-aid solution. It's not even a band-aid solution because it keeps, it keeps us using paper cups. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, same thing with these recyclable straws. Do you need a straw to drink your 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 milkshake or whatever? You can't drink your milkshake without a straw. Yeah. yeah. So okay, now we have recyclable straws or sense, biodegradable yeah. straws. Why do you need straws? I don't get it. I don't get it. So uh, it's uh, well, there might be some people that absolutely need to be able to drink things from I'm sure, or to eat things I'm from sure, straws, but, but so, that's that's a very uh, small number of people, I think. I you see know, that, that's that's a good question. What are we willing to give up for the greater good? Uh, yeah. It's kind of strange, actually, that nobody's thought of that. So we, uh, when straws became unsustainable plastic straws, then instead of saying, hey, we don't actually really need straws, why not just use a spoon or something if you want to drink the, uh, the, 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 what's it called, in, the, in a frappuccino or something, if you want to eat the stuff at the top, you know, the whipped cream and yeah. all that stuff, why not just use a spoon or just drink it, wait for it to melt a little or something like that? Yeah, I don't know. Say, so, see, so, and, and I guess you do make a good point that um, we have to... St- one thing that I don't do very much of because I'm not disabled, um, but, you know, uh, or society doesn't disable me. But if 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 there are people out there who are disabled and, and uh, you know, uh, straws are necessary for them, then sure. Yeah. Like that's, that's a good point. We need straws for those people if they need them. 
I don't know what cases I've, they. I've never heard them. anybody make that that argument though. No, before. but it's just like it's, but it, but it, but it, it, it's just an example of the mm-hmm. kind of thinking processes that we need to that need to come into um, that need to come into this uh, yeah. into these discussions. And because I am not disabled, I don't think about these things. Yeah. So, but, but really, the point is: is what do we need, and yeah, what do we what, not need? What do we need, and what do we not need? And, and usually, everybody yeah. using straws yeah. at all times—that is not necessary. Yeah, you don't need right. the the ancient Greeks didn't need straws to drink their wine, uh, but somehow in the twentieth century we discovered straws, and now we have to have them. I don't, I don't especially the bendy straws. You got to have the bendy straws. I mean, yeah. when I was a kid, I was fascinated with the bendy straws. Yeah. Especially the the ones from... Uh, but, but Sophian, if we remove the bendy straws, then you're going to remove the fascination of your young self yeah, from these right. new, next generations. If, if, yeah, I don't know. That's, yeah. that's the kind of thing that... Uh, well, that's the kind of... I mean, even if we don't have any... We, no one's really having this argument against straws, necessarily. But also, people haven't... I've never heard anybody say, hey... Do you even really need even to the going to the uh, going so far as to get metal straws because those are yeah. more, they're more sustainable obviously because you're not using a bunch of plastic and but you're using getting, a bunch of metal yeah then you're using a bunch of metal you're getting more metal produced for that sort of thing there's so, more mining going on for that yeah, stuff you know, more I, ore it's uh mm-hmm. it's so you know so yeah so in a sense it seems to me that there's a lot of so in, same thing for coffee. Uh, coffee, uh, you know, is, uh, I remember when I started doing, when I started writing my, uh, or doing research for, for the, the PhD, uh, I was, I, I kind of became obsessed with the question of, of coffee disappearing, you know, yeah. and how, how badly That's why I brought people, it as an artifact. How, how badly people would react to that happening if coffee mm-hmm. one day just became either, you know, extremely rare and then they're, you know, therefore more expensive than anybody could possibly fathom yeah. uh, nowadays. Or, you know, if it just, you know, if what, what kind of what kind of world would we be left with? Would people just move on to something else or would people, you know, go a, a little bit insane for a few years and then decide, OK, well, now I'm going to move on to something. Else? Well, see, that reminds what me of a happen? point that I forgot to write down in my notes, actually, and I mentioned earlier is the historical impact of coffee, not just as something that we enjoy, but specifically for its v- virtues in helping us cope with the work days that we go yeah. through and uh, it's interesting I, I don't remember exactly where i read this but i did read a historical work a study of tea comparing it to the uh, i guess rise of coffee replacing tea as the dominant uh, uh, i guess drug that's used to wake people up and or keep people up and up and about and, and working, uh, especially uh, an early comparison of how in England, in factories, and I'm talking about manufacturing factories that had very, very poor and precarious workers being given or buying for themselves tea so that they could sustain themselves for the long and arduous hours of work. Mm-hmm. This also involves children. Before yeah. children were dis- unallowed or it was before removed. working, removed mm-hmm. from the workplace, I guess, to a certain extent in the early uh, 1820s, 30s, I think. Yeah. Um, and so in it, it's... People rarely think about this because, hey, that's also where I was uh, brought, you know, into the coffee world. It's very much 
an expensive commodity that people you know use to relax or part of their daily lives just like tea these days some people use yeah. it not to work but as a form of relaxation maybe even a form of art if they enjoy you know the coffee designs or it's a ritual like it's a ritual sure there's a lot of things like that but to a certain extent and just as it used to be even more so now it's hugely exploded in in this use in that case uh, it's caffeine is a drug that is used to maintain a certain amount of production uh, productivity productivity yes that's right efficiency productivity because th- th- that's my question though and this is not really something we can answer ourselves we would need to do a study here but if caffeine is being used either tea or coffee to sustain the productivity levels of the world then it becoming such a rarity that it would be so expensive obviously many people wouldn't be able to afford it you know what would become of that productivity i think this is just my opinion but i think in the immediacy productivity would crash because people wouldn't be able to compensate anymore people would have to eat instead people would have to feed themselves properly or maybe the use of uh, other drugs would explode i'm sure but it's just like not everybody you can't sustain people on amphetamines all the time yeah so it's just like that's destructive it's even more destructive than caffeine addiction yeah well, sure. The more apparent, because you can probably survive caffeine addiction, but you can't. You can't go on and just going to serve day. myself another cup. Yeah, yeah, right here. Oh, get yeah. all that ASMR goodness right there. Oh yeah. <laughs> mm. But so those are the questions that I ask myself sometimes. It's um, to a certain extent, I think we're going to have to figure out a way to uh, overcome this yeah. uh, problem. It's so so, but that's let's see. So that's there. Uh, there's a really, uh, you know, there's a really good way of putting it that uh, put, putting the uh, the issue at hand here, uh, that uh, um, that that uh, French physicist uh, Aurélien Barrault, which I'm a huge fan of, uh, he's also a, a philosopher. Uh, he there's... let's say it for the uh, for the anglophone so they can understand his name better. It's uh, Aurélien Barrault. Uh, Aurélien Barrault. Like uh, Marcus Aurelius, but with uh, E N I E uh, N at the end. Yeah, uh, it's, it's not the. So what's his idea? And so his the way that he, the way that he talks about the the issue of giving the giving things up. Yeah. Um, so in terms of coffee, so there's that case that we were talking about where it happens to us. Mm-hmm. It happens to us, without our without our will to end it. We mm-hmm. we, we we don't give it up. Yeah, we suffer. We yes. force. We are forced by circumstances of the world to give up coffee because yeah. it, it disappears or something happens to it. Mm-hmm. Catastrophic um, event yeah. or something. And that, so, and case. take that and extrapolate that to all kinds of different situations. Yeah, yeah you know, uh, all kinds of different products and things that we that we enjoy and we consume all the time, and that are somehow necessary for our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, let's say lithium. Uh, becomes uh, so rare, so extremely rare, or, you know, states decide that uh, now it's becoming, uh, you know, a strategic resource that they, that uh, you can, you cannot make phones, you know, you know, all the, all the phones you want anymore from, you know, with the batteries and the lithium and the batteries and all that. So, you know, there's that happening to us. We're forced to, to go through it. And then there is the possibility of a sustainably, uh, minded collective or common uh, community, let's say that that makes the decision to plan uh, our, you know, our our uh, a change in in in, the, in our consumption. 
Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. a change in our consumption or a lessening of consumption, uh, you know, or a removal, controlling. Or a controlling of it or a complete removal of certain products because we, we just decide together that these are not things that we need. Yeah. These are or that there is an aspect of our use of some of these things that needs to go. Like if, yeah. if for the for lithium, you know, we don't need phones. We don't need smartphones for every single person in, in a household. We need one smartphone per per household or something like that. Yeah. You know, especially since phones um, aren't even used as phones as much anymore. So. Yeah. So or we don't need specific apps or we don't need specific features. You know, we don't need a calculator. We don't need a we don't need uh, p- to taking pictures with our with our phones or whatever. We mm-hmm. don't need, mm-hmm. with some, yeah. you know, there could be, you know, there could be a time when we decide that we don't need that. Or, or, you know, in terms of coffee, we decide that coffee needs to be limited to a specific kind of population within the workforce or to, you know, uh, you know, because yeah, so it stops it. being a commodity yeah. for general consumption, yeah. but a controlled substance in so far as it's used to enhance productivity. Right. Exactly. So so when we're talking about sustainability, it's it's about it's, it's it, when it comes to consumption. It's about thinking in that way. It's about it's about getting us uh, to 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 rethink the way that we consume. Um, sometimes rethinking the way that we consume will mean stopping, yeah. like consuming. We will. So, in a nutshell, away from the anarchy of consumption right. and to uh, uh, the anarchy of the market. Yeah, like it's yeah. it's it's getting away from the anarchy of the market, deciding you know oh well. Uh, just because somebody wants to make money off of, of, of you know this niche product or whatever, uh, well, we're or, or this product that's not niche at all, uh, we, well, we're just gonna you know we're just it's it, it becomes about the commons. So mm-hmm. this is this is an important. Concept. Well, that's where the, the, the it becomes the, about the goodness, you know, the the greater good. Perhaps it becomes yeah, it becomes about thinking about the greater good and the and in the long scheme scheme of things, it it, it becomes clear uh, that. Uh, we will not be able to main. We will not be able to maintain. And then, even if we were able to maintain, you know, even well, we want to, even yeah. let's say there were, you know, there were there was no such thing as you know a limited amount of lithium. There was no such thing as you know uh, our coffee uh, being um, you know disappearing, uh, disappearing uh, yeah. because of you know uh, fungi or yeah. whatever. Um, even then, it would be the the world that we would want to live in is not a world where we just keep on consuming coffee yeah. because it's just not good for us, and it's not good for us. So, but that's another. So that's another one of Aurelian, it's like a health concern. That's that's another one of Aurelian Barreau's uh, con- conceptual thoughts about. I this. think it's a good it's a good good thing to think about in that sense because it sort of it changes the. The ethical ramification of the situation uh, here, ethics or the the morality of of the issue, isn't so much are these things going to disappear or are we going to necessarily die because of this, but do we even even if we have no imminent danger to our livelihood or to our lives in general, uh, or to our wants and desires, then do we still want to live this way? Yeah, yeah which I, I think is a great question. It's like it, it removes the whole gun to your head. That says, "Oh, decide now, you're going to die," or something like that. Which I think is why some people use the argument of alarmism because they don't feel the immediacy of the problem, the gun at their head necessarily, because yeah. they're not part of those populations that are going to be removed or die or killed by imminent floods yeah. from the rising sea levels. Yeah, uh, 
it's a uh, which is one example. It's a uh, yeah. So it uh, good environmentalism is generally not, uh, in my opinion, is not an environmentalism that bases uh, that bases the um, uh, what's the word for that uh, that bases the uh, uh, well the reality or not the reality but the weight the, the yeah I guess the weight would be a good way of of putting it the weight of of the issue yeah you know is if if you measure that as an environmentalist if you measure that according to the growing lack of resources of course you're dealing with material reality you're yeah. dealing with your your so you're not wrong in doing that you're not no, no. you're not doing something horrible you know no, you're no. not a horrible person the issue is that if 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 your ethics are are just are generated uh, uh, based upon only that, yeah. and you have no, you, you know, it, you, it's not based on a on an idea of a of a of a common uh, a community uh, that that needs these things, and you know that needs these things for a specific purpose. Like society has a purpose. We are we the society has a purpose. This is the purpose that we have determined for it. Um, it's not so much on how much resources we have. We have a goal within society that is to, you know, uh, lead good lives, let's say. Yeah. And then you determine what, what the good life is. And the good life is, well, a good life is a life that is lived. And then if a life is lived, there is a specific number of years that you would want to live that life. So mm-hmm. we would we would potentially determine that. Who knows? And there are societies it, throughout yeah. history that have determined what a good life is. Well, that's how philosophy starts. And, and so, and so when you do that, you know, you know th- that means it has to be sustained for a number of let's say a number of years if we're going to determine it that way. Uh, and, and you know you cannot uh, the the imminent you know problem of life of of of, of life on Earth and thereby society not being maintained, you know, or ceasing um, uh, from, from this. The, the, there is a, you, you can't, we can't be nihilists about this. Like no. there, the, you know, I, I kind of see it as, as a kind of ni- a nihilism, you know, to, to, to make it all about uh, the, the fact that there are less resources. That that resources are no longer as as I don't know how to nihilism it. how so exactly well if if it's all about you know keeping the way the world this kind of anarchy of the market yeah. that kind of goes in guns blazing without thinking about the ramifications for the good of the society mm-hmm. you know if though if the good if the principles of, the, of of living a good life don't come into it then to me it makes it's nihilistic in the sense that it's going nowhere yeah, yeah it's a turkey shoot. Well, quite literally, in some senses, for the industry of you know, killing turkeys um, <laughs> for Thanksgiving. But so, so it's it's to me capitalism for the sake of making money is you know it makes no sense. It's very nihilistic in that sense to me. It if it only makes sense to me if there is a, a kind of good life. Uh, philosophy or, or ideology that you can it. justify that for you can, a great number of, fo- of people. Right? Yeah, but the problem for that is that if you have that, then the the the, the downfall the downfall of society based because of the capitalist uh, the capitalist you know production which is always more because yeah. you always need more. So you know um, that keep pushing the goalpost of what the good is. Yeah. Good so life. so you know. If 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 the very thing that you are doing 
and that you say is for the good of society breaks society down because it breaks down the found the environmental you know natural foundations of society itself then you're 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 destroying yourself yeah, right yeah. so yeah. so you know uh, so a person that bases a, a sane rational person that is a capitalist that bases uh, their the, the way that they function in life based on uh, a common well an idea of the good for themselves as an individual yeah necessarily has to become an environmentalist to make sense with themselves as a person that has a goal even yeah. as an individual because it doesn't matter to me so this is the whole point this whole discussion of of you know the collective and the individual and all that like individual rights and collective rights and all that those are those are worthy discussions to have but to talk about the individual without talking about the collective and to talk about the collective without talking about the individual the, to me those 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 things are part and parcel of each other these yeah. debates about these debates about individualism that is that is you know that is the be all end all thing to me that makes no sense that makes no sense uh, because in the well, end of the yeah. day, the foundation of the individual's power mm-hmm. is a collective that works together to pursue some goal or whatever, you know, yeah. of, of, you know, of living the good life, let's say. Yeah. If, you know, so the, it, to me, when, it, when, when you talk about, when you base your environmentalism just on the fact that there are resources that are no longer there, um, to me, you're, you're, what, what, what are you talking about? It's not just about resources. It's about we we have a goal, a social goal as yeah. a society, and we need specific things to do that. And if yeah, to you know, that, 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 yeah. that that that's the only way that this, the, the, the discussion of resources makes sense. If if uh, if you know, so it's a it's the discussion of resources is is necessary. But if you're not going to rethink the society itself and the goals of that society. With the discussion of how we better sustain resources, resource levels, let's say, then your discussion is going nowhere. Yeah, it's baseless. It's baseless. So that's what I'm trying to say. That's why, to me, it sounds nihilistic when I hear I hear that it's all about the resources and not about changing the capitalist framework to to some extent. Um, um, the the industries that we have, if we want the industries that we have to continue to exist, to persist to, in some way, whatever that way is going to be, we need them to change. We need them, and some of those some of those uh, those parts of the industry, some some companies are going to have to disappear. Some some ways of functioning are going to have to disappear. Um, you know. Uh, you're just going to have to treat your people better, let's say. You can't have slaves. You can't, you know, like, okay, that your profit margin is going to go down because you don't have slaves or, you know, quasi-slaves. I don't care. I have a society that I'm trying to build here where yeah. the good life is prioritized. So I can, by in principle, I can't have slaves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just can't, or else I'm just contradicting myself. Yeah. 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 And at the same time, we're destroying the environment with it. If we could just do monoculture everywhere... And we destroy the Amazon, you know. There you go. That's that's that just gets in the way. So these people who you know, if you keep on going in the same capitalistic more and more and more direction all the time. Sorry, this is turning into into a rant. Then to me, what are you talking about? And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted You're to get you a rant. You're a nihilist. That's all yeah. you are. You're a nihilist, and you are irrational. And no one here should be taking you seriously. 
So yeah. that's why when, when it comes to people like Musk, when it comes to people like... I'm sure they base their their ideas, you know, or the way they, they provide reasons that sound valid, like, you know... Uh, uh, you, know, you know, this whole thing about creating jobs. I create jobs. I, I create, you know, devices that I can sell on a market so that creates jobs so that people can, you know, put food on the table, blah, 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 all that. But in the, at the end of the day, if all that you do with all these reasons that you've mentioned, which are great, that's great, putting food on the table for people, that's great. Um, and, you know, you know, these technologies can be very useful, very great, uh, well, very useful for specific types of lives, you know, mm-hmm. urban lives, capitalistic lives, you know, that's what we're talking about here. Um, useful in a specific context, we'll say. That doesn't mean they're not useful at all. Yeah. Right? That they're not, not useful. Uh, that, but, to the point, yeah. But, in, but, but I guess the point is um, that if the very, if, by, if, if in providing food for people, for money so that people can buy food on the table and these technologies that help us in our daily capitalistic lives... Um, uh, if that, if doing that, if the way that you do that provides these good, providing these goods, these goods, uh, you know, money and food on the table, if in the end that destroys the very cycle that allows you to do that by destroy by destroying the environmental, you know, bases that 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 underlies the foundation that underlies all of society. Mm-hmm. Then to me you are you are destroying yourself and you are destroying everybody else in the process and and continuing to think that that is not occurring and that you will just find a solution through the the system is insanity. It's pure insanity. It's nihil nihilism is probably the only sane way that I can describe. You know, I guess somewhat sane way of these well, people have an idea. Yeah. At the same time, you mean I don't it, think they have an idea of what they're doing. I, I well, really don't think they understand what's happening. I, I think I hope they don't understand because if they do understand mm, that they're continuing, to me yeah. they're nihilists and that's even more dangerous. Well yeah, they're not just nihilists, they're also some of them might be skeptics, but it's kinda of hard to get into their minds. You can't just we'd have to even a polygraph test wouldn't really reveal what they think. Yeah. But you know it's just so, sorry for have, the rant everybody no, it's but not, it, it's just, don't apologize but I think it's good because it, it sort of brings to the fore is something that I've I've also been thinking about. It's um, just in general, you know, I, I don't think, for instance, that these people don't know what they're talking about. I think you mentioned that if if you, there, there are capitalists, you know, that are rational people and they think about these things, uh, not necessarily that they that they don't know what they're doing or something like that. I think they definitely do know what they're doing. I think, to a certain extent, they, they have the interest in continuing things as they are. And therefore, if they come across people who are environmentalists, uh, or people who are just you know, that knowledgeable about these things, not necessarily purely environmentalists, mm. you know, they'll be uh, trying to preserve what they have so that they can continue, you know, dominating and having money and enjoying certain privileges and things like that in society, uh, those folks are necessarily going to make the argument, well, no, this doesn't exist. You know, maybe there are people who are actually even honest about it. They're not nihilists. They just think, you know, this this is not true. This is not true, and we're just going to continue oh, as it the is. Deni- those are the climate change deniers and and the environmental destruction deniers. But you know, we'll we'll see what happens when they, uh, well, well, when the acid rain, you know, falls into their their water supplies and and they get sick and they die earlier deaths every every you know decade or whatever. Every generation dies earlier, 
You know, you're gonna yeah. see, you're gonna see, you're gonna see this. Um, you know, um, you know the fact that we have you know seven degrees January first. You know, um, what, yeah. that's 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 seven degrees now. What's it gonna be later? Yeah, you know, that's right. Um, you know, it's it's the rate of change too. I don't know. I've, so I've heard of people, you know, be even more not even uh, upset about it. You know, they they understand. understand. And for instance, in Ontario and where we are in Canada, you know, some people are well, it's going to become you know very very warm for a period of time. We don't even know exactly how that's going to play out, but it might get to the point where it's thirty degrees all the, like a long period of time of the year. We don't know what kind of negatives that's going to have, but I'm sure some people that want to grow tropical fruit are going to be very happy about that. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, but then at, at the end of the day, and then some uh, some other part of the so that that's the other thing is we can't really, oh well, uh, as far as I know, I don't think we can really tell how how things are going to change in specific places. Yeah. But I can tell you that in the Okanagan Valley, they, they are not happy with what's going on. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, droughts, and then. Uh, you know, monsoonish, you know, monsoonic kind of of rains, and yeah. the, you know, and then flooding because Erosion, the drought, yeah. the drought has completely removed the you know the the draining uh, abilities of the soil. Yeah. You know, um, so and then and then fires during those droughts. You know, it's um, it's a vicious cycle, and and people around Canada and around the world in different parts are starting to realize that the the effects that this is having. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm not sure that you know, that we're going to have the. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what resilience is going to look like. Um, so, because there's people that are talking about resilience and adapt and and adapt adaptation uh, methods instead of sustainability, but resilience in a world that still doesn't change the way that we behave. You know, it, that, that again, we're 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 running in circles here. Yeah, we're running in circles yeah. with the with all these these things. Um, and you're starting to see companies now that call themselves environmental resilience or whatever. Um, sure, you're. It's like Jakarta, you know. Um, I guess it was it resilient or sustainable that the that the you know that the Indonesian the Indonesian state finally decided after 60 years of deliberations that they were going to leave Jakarta. Jakarta is no longer the capital city of Indonesia. Now they're moving to another place because Jakarta's uh, uh, sinking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Physically, know. Jakarta is sinking. A, a huge chunk of the city is is going to be underwater very soon. Well, yeah, and parts of it are already. And you know, they they keep on building walls, but the walls, same thing's happening uh, to New Orleans, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Venice is, I guess, naturally in a in a sense, but sometimes not naturally uh, flooding too. So it's. So, you know, it's going to be sad when all those things drown, for, you know, these cities, you know. Uh, but, I mean, I guess the kind of rambling on here, but I think that the point of the podcast, mostly this episode at least, the point here is to to come to, ter- we have to start coming to terms. Like, ser- we have to seriously start come to, coming to terms with the fact that there are, that we are going to have to stop behaving in specific ways there's a lot and this is another thing that aurelian barreau says quite often nowadays there's a lot that we are going to have we have we are going to have to stop doing yeah like uh i was telling this student um colleague for a friend of mine well not friend but anymore i guess acquaintance will say uh, a few a few years ago that we were going to have to stop traveling so much 
And you know what they responded? They responded, oh, life is going to be so much more boring because we can't travel anymore. And in the fa- tell that to the, the, the next generations. I, I didn't want to stop traveling because life was going to get boring. Um, yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, but but even then, without even thinking about that, is like, what to, to what degree, uh, you know, are, are we? Uh, what kind of mind thinks that way? That that life is so boring that you, you know, what about all these different different places around you? You know, why does your travel have to be halfway across the world? You mm-hmm. know, yeah. And sure, in some way, it's I I you know. In my heart of hearts, I, I do believe that oh, it's going to be suck that I can't go to you know. We just went to Bavaria in September. Yeah, uh, so we definitely did we, that. We definitely did that, and we participated in this. But how, how many? It, it had been what four, five years since the last time we traveled anywhere. Yep. That's a long time. Um, so you know, uh, that doesn't mean that we have to completely stop traveling fully. Uh, that just means that we might have to find different ways, you know, vehicles, ways of traveling. Or it might mean that, you know, traveling can be uh, amongst amongst the, the countries that we have. Who here can honestly say that they have seen everything that their, their city, their town, uh, their region, their province has to offer? Who can say that? Who can sit here? And I, 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 I think I've only met... I think I've only met like two Canadians that have been to every province. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So let's let's be and then honest. Again, let me, let's let, be honest. That that's also one thing. But then the first thing that came to my mind when you you told me about this person, like, oh, it's going to suck. Or it's going to be boring. It's like, what's their class position exactly? Well, yeah. So the, there's that too. You know. So I'm guessing this person was the, the kind of person that traveled quite a bit, quite often. You know, yeah. like every, every, you know, some people travel every other month. Some people mm-hmm. have to do it for work. So then again, you know, there's travel for pleasure and then there's travel for, yeah. you know, so. But so far uh, in our young lives and our experience at this point, uh, I've met a lot more people that go to Europe for a month or something like that. Uh, and, uh, you know, they come back and they've had a good time or something like that. Or they go there for a year or two to experience something or something like that and they come back. Yeah. It's more like a spiritual thing almost, a ritual, uh, than uh, than actually going there it's for It's like a work. pilgrimage. Yeah, almost like a pilgrimage to a certain extent. But so, so yeah. I mean, it's one thing, one thing is sure. Mm-hmm. The amount of travel, and it's this is not just about be. Canadians, this is about the amount of travel that is happening, that is occurring, has to cease like it has to it has to be lessened we have to we have to dial that down quite and we're also not just talking about traveling as passengers to a destination like individuals we're talking we're not talking just about coach airplanes or something like that or or traveling or something we're talking about transportation of goods yeah yeah, because that is one of the main polluters in the world yeah and it's not just trucks people it's it's planes it's boats it's ships it's it's all these things um you know, diesel transportation boats, you know, it's a, there's a lot of things like that. Um, And that brings me back to, you know, how do we solve certain, some of these problems? And this is the problem. This is sort of why I wanted to pick uh, coffee as well as an example is when we're looking at scale of issues that we're dealing with here, uh, you know, to a certain extent, people talk about the arrogance of humans thinking that they might even be able as a species to fix these issues. But obviously when we're looking at it from the way that, 
companies mostly try to organize sustainability or to look like they're trying to organize sustainability they do it within their means in their industry and it's a lot of uh, you know i call it pretending or greenwashing or something like that what you might what you might call certain things but even when they're doing something seriously like for instance i was looking into the coffee issue and there's a, a lot of droughts happening a lot of uh, illnesses and and uh, and uh, fungus like you've talked about destroying crops and destroying trees like coffee bean trees coffee trees and they have to uh, constantly replant them and try to replant them with resistances or resiliencies against the illnesses that have been plaguing them yeah. and you know obviously it's going a lot faster than it can be replanted but for instance Starbucks in 2017 decided that they would replant 100 million trees by 2025 and uh, I don't know exactly how that's going exactly but that's one of the examples so they're doing that they're replanting those trees so it's good sure we think that tree coffee, replanting coffee trees right? coffee trees yeah they're replanting Not just, just, just any trees no just coffee trees just for the production of coffee and they're trying to train farmers to become more sustainable otherwise they're not allowed to partic- participate in their market and also perhaps try to make them nicer to their workers or something like yeah, that because okay. there's, there's a huge problem with that as well but specifically that so this is what companies do they try to focus on their part of the world or their worldview or their chunk of the world and they try to make it better their market uh, quote unquote their market yeah they're trying to to to, sus- to make it sustainable or resilient so that they can continue producing what they produce but at the same time that's that's the issue though it's can we really trust and not just trust but also believe that companies are able to have any sort of real impact on the huge problems that we're going to face as an entire species on this planet um i don't think so i don't think that we can trust corporations even the biggest ones to do that work for us i think we need to stop with the individualism of uh of sustainability or of environmentalism to a certain extent the way that's not environmentalists themselves but uh to a certain extent nations governments uh corporations markets have been making decisions for us and how we're going to do these things what we need to do is to organize as people as groups internationalist groups uh, to fight these things we need to basically recreate the world so that we can actually fight these things and we cannot do it without organizing collective efforts it's not going to be down to where does that companies start, where does that start oh it starts at the grassroots obviously so so you so what you're trying to say is you want us to Organize the grassroots so that they basically take power. Yeah, definitely. Such That's what that, I'm saying. Such as such such that states, uh, so that such that they, these grassroots organized kind yeah. of popular states, uh, you know, like Canada organizing, you know, in that way, and then you know all the other countries in the world yeah. come organize that organize through the grassroots come together. And, you know, as an international, kind of like an internationalism, yeah. come together to face these issues together. Yeah. because that's not go through corporations. Yeah, not go through corporations at all. Because I don't think, sure, perhaps state corporations or group corporations made right. of the folks. But it's like, uh, you wouldn't just, it wouldn't be based necessarily on money making or anything like that. Perhaps a little bit so that it can f- help fund certain things, initiatives Sounds and things like that. to me like international socialism. Well, you know, that's part of it. But at the same time, so it, what you're talking about, it answers what you're talking about. What we're talking about is reducing travel. But that's one band-aid solution to the problem, right? 
That's one solution. It could be a long-term solution, but people want to travel. They should travel, I think. But so what what we can do at the moment is not going to solve the issue. Uh, you can't ask, you know, Air Canada and all the different uh, Air Transat or something like that to uh, focus on making a better fuel source or something like that for themselves so that they, they could do that. But how far is that going to go? Because they need to keep their you know, margins up so they can make money and all that stuff. Usually when they can't keep margins up, they fire people and livelihoods are lost. All that stuff. It's all very much you know, closed up into their own little world of money making, and they can't necessarily focus on doing these things on their own. So we need to take it upon ourselves to create a better society so that we can look at these problems individually, these problems that we're facing, and look for concrete solutions to them. So uh, imagine if these international states or individual states that are focused on the greater good, if they focus on a particular question, what they could do to actually solve these issues. So we know that there's uh, uh, there's problems with those things as well, but what if we focus, for instance, for travel, on making electric uh, electric travel uh, a bigger a bigger thing, you know, with more sustainable power, more... Um, you know, batteries that you can sustain. Renewable? Yeah, renewable. Yeah, sure. Because people obviously don't like nuclear power all that much, but we're going to need it, I think, in the in the future. We're going to need something, a, a source that can produce lots and lots of energy so that we can run things like that. So what if we were able to study, this is a lot of what ifs, but it's, it's possible, I think, if a state focuses or a, a group, uh, an international group, Association of States, focuses on making travel so much more sustainable, and they push, they push. They don't just talk about it forever. They talk, you know, they so push it. They, they do push, the research. So they push for an integrated... Well, yeah. I'm t- trying to get you to describe exactly yeah. what you're doing. So uh, an integrated uh, transit system. International sure, that would be one transit way. system. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking of that, but sure, if you want to talk about I mean, it, some of that already a, exists. A standardized, it does, yeah, but not exactly to the scale that we're looking for. So, if we're looking for, tr- tr- you know, uh, instead of having five hundred different companies that do the flying or something like that, or the transportation, uh, or the thousands of companies that do exist, yeah, sure, you make one system for it. That would be one way of of. Of centralizing the whole thing and making it and less anarchic. based on profit. Is no, that what you're and it wouldn't be led based on profit. But I mean specifically, uh, if we want to look at you know the greater good, we're going to have to come up with technologies that can get us to those levels, to that level, right? Well, and then, but so that, so I guess the other thing, the other aspect of this is that sounds like a maintaining of travel to some extent sure but not but not that at, the, not the same level of travel so there's right they're not the same level but at the same time so uh, uh back to the the point of lessening like there's yeah. a lot of things that we are just going to have to stop doing yeah we're going to sure. have to stop traveling well yes so much well, and then so, and maybe mm-hmm. yeah i know this is controversial because mm-hmm. i talk to tourism studies people all the time and there's this bias, this this entrenched kind of feeling that that tourism is just good. There's no such thing as tourism never being a good, not not being a good thing at all. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, uh, and hence why, you know, uh, you know, uh, opening opening up a road for travelers to go up the mountains in Nepal and go see monasteries is necessarily a good thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Even though I if you talk you to those people who live in the monasteries. It brought a lot of people, but it also brought a lot of evils that are associated with, you know, money making and, you, yeah. know, uh, you know, all that stuff. And some of that is tourism and traveling and all that. Uh, 
you know so it opens it's it's good in the sense that it opened in the perspective of somebody who's who wants to open niche markets let's say for traveling you know in the system that we have today it's good because it brings people together such that you know well we, then at but, the same time I, at the same i understand the, i understand the problems the ramifications of their problems obviously there's problems of scale that we're talking about here i'm not talking about creating a centralized travel system so that you can always be traveling or something like that right. sure travel if you need to Maybe travel if you want to once in a while, you know, but not all the time. Definitely not. Especially here, if we're talking about travel and making it super sustainable, uh, or not super, well, super sustainable to the extent that the, that the energy that's required to make it function isn't necessarily fossil fuels or something like that. That's not renewable energy or something like that. So there's, there's something that you can do in order to fix that issue because we're still going to need transport of resources from one place to another to do certain things. Right. That's inevitable. We need that. Yeah. But also there's a, to the point of changing societies that don't need to consume as much, but without necessarily making them, you know, go backwards in time because, you know, uh, we don't, because technology is going to lead us to the to the end of the world or to apocalypse or something like that. There's that sort of perspective that if we continue uh, building technology to a certain extent, then we're going to all die or explode or something like that. Kind of like the right, Terminator right. sort of I mean, sure. scenario. However, I mean there is a I mean there is to, there is something to be said about looking backwards. I sure. Think, yeah. I think uh, we can't just you know so. The other the other question the other re- the, the other reason I, I keep bringing it back to. Uh, we have to think about what kind of the the, the so the 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 good you know the like we have to think about what the what the good life is. Um, it's not clear to me that uh, it's not clear to me that life needs to be as industrial. No, as it, is. it doesn't need to be as industrial, uh, but and, it needs to be somewhat industrial. It needs to, well, it needs so it, the question that I have, and this is the big question of sustainability for me, is okay so. We have these parameters where we say we need to be sustainable with this, with this, with that, with that. You know, mm-hmm. we, we can't have so much CO two being produced every year. Um, so, what does a, so the the question is what does an industrial world that is sustainable in the sense that it doesn't produce, you know, uh, uh, you know, CO two in these it doesn't make emissions uh, like we do today, or it reduces such that we are now sustainable in terms of you know CO two. What does that look like? Well, I think the is problem, that still yeah. is that still industrial? If it's not industrial, what is it? You know, um, because the world that we have right now is a, uh, that that is industrial is a world that just produces. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, that's not emissions. what we're. Yeah, that's not what I'd be looking at. It's like yeah. sure, we, we we still need to produce certain things, but it's like uh, we're going to still need vehicles to get around to some extent and you can't get those kinds of things you you're still going to need basic medical equipment to run a heart monitor or something like that in a hospital and you can't do that without having some sort of advanced industry right so 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 in a sense what we're kind of coming down to here is the realization that there will be waste well there will be but it's just we're looking we're looking at a different set of scale so if we are able to reorganize societies with organization from the grassroots up and not down, uh, well, in, in those cases, you can make it so that we focus on the specific questions of the greater good. So what do we need industry for? Do we need to have uh, you know, uh, metal straws? No, we don't. What we need is medical equipment. Yeah. What we need is hose so that we can work the land. 
uh, we, we need some tractors. But one tractor per, uh, like a, a collective of, of uh, communities or something like that. or something. So instead of having everyone has their own tractor, everyone shares a tractor whenever they need it. Yeah, and we also need, we also need land where human beings don't just do whatever they want. Yeah. We need we need sure. wild land. We need sure. So that's the other aspect of things. We need we also need to, so there is a footprint yeah. that that will be there. It won't be the footprint that we have today. That's kind of what we're talking about here. But at the same time we need to think about removing like like we we, we really need to retreat, I think. There's a there's a human kind of industrial footprint that needs oh, to yeah. retreat. Yeah. We need to retreat and a lot of that will be about, you know, retreating from production of everything and anything yeah. for no reason. Or for or every for just... every every want and desire whenever right. it comes up. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. It's so, a, it's a, it, we need some self-control, pretty much, yeah. on our desire of four things. Yeah. We need to learn that we don't need everything all at once at every moment. Well, yeah, and then, so that's, so it's a re a recalibration in the sense of, of, of our... Of, of desire, yeah, say. of desire, of need. Uh, uh, yeah, we need to, to also give people that don't have perspective perspective on what lies, what's at stake. Yeah, well, yeah. So, yeah. Because there's obviously folks that, and this is, so, not, that, this is not necessarily condemning persons that are of the class that doesn't experience pain and hardship all the time. Sure, to a certain extent, you know. Uh, well, everybody experiences pain in, in one way or another. Yeah, but that we're it's talking not, about we're talking about people who can't eat or right. can't. Okay, well, sure. So can't not everybody. A, it's just that so or not. We, we don't want to leave anybody like behind. That. I'm. I. I, I well, no. I'm uh, not going to put everybody in a gulag either, no. just because they disagree. Well, because that's the example that comes well, up. The word all the time. has come out. Now there's going to be conspiracy theories about us. Uh, oh yeah, we want to we want to limit people. We are we we are eco. Uh, dictators or whatever oh, eco authoritarians sure. that's what i've been hearing. that's funny because actually the people that end up usually becoming eco eco authoritarians are those folks that are very much on the right in my experience well it's well unfortunately you know for example those that want to commit eco genocide there's Aurélien Barreau, the philosopher he kind of he kind of gets mad sometimes at some of the questions he gets in 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 i think in one of the recent conferences he got a question from somebody about uh, eco-authoritarianism or whatever and he said well you know sometimes i get really really mad at this that the 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 audacity of calling people who are uh, like activists who are yeah. some in some countries getting killed for revealing the f- like facts like the, yeah. the ground is dry and there's a flood now and you could have done something about it you didn't we can do something about it to some extent now let's they get shot or yeah. they get killed uh they, uh, you know or they just get attacked whatever uh, um but you know and when when you see that you kind of want you kind of start wanting he said that i think you you kind of start wanting to have uh an eco authoritarianism because, because I don't know if that's he. He he's, he might say that he might say that he I wants. Think he to, was, I, I think he he's was, just not describing he, properly well, what he wants. He mostly, all. but but so like there is a kind of a, some some kind of authoritarianism is going to be necessary because if 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 and this is one big. It's if, not authoritarian. Uh, well, no, no, but but there has to be an authority that tells people. You can't do this anymore because the yeah. we're, we're, what we're and this is not just because we want to, because we love telling people what to do. It's because 
It's necessary. Physically, like it's either you, it's either we we collectively make the decisions to be authoritarians over ourselves to to to, to instore self control, so, so societal self control. It's not like you no, said. No, it's sure. a, it's, but, but authoritarian just sounds authoritarian. Right. It's not authoritarian. It's right. not totalitarianism. Right. It's just self control. Right. It's self control. Either we so either we decide. So this is the thing. This is kind of the statist argument. Yeah. Either you decide the, the people will collectively come together and decide things for themselves, or a state will be organized to do that for mm. them. So, so and that's kind of. I don't think that's possible, though. No. I, don't, I, don't, I really don't think that's possible. Well, so uh, I so from what we're seeing here, it seems to me so. So and then so here's the third option before I, before I make that last point. The third option is that statist thing will be the only way. That it works out because of the fact that you mean physically, 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 uh, like in terms of the physics of the world and the material realities of the world, that is that that the the the, re, the physical realities of, of the world will be the the things that that force us to to into you know asceticism. We will be forced to be to become ascetic if we want to survive. Because we do not have, we will not have the resources to just be hedonists. Yeah, you know, we will not. So that that'll be. Yeah, so we won't that, even have the chance to make a decision about right, it. Right. That's just why. Be, that's it. That's why he was saying, you know, when when these people say that to me, uh, when when they when they ask me if I'm I'm becoming an authoritarian, you know, or a totalitarian or whatever, that's why he was saying that. He was saying that you either choose, either you will decide. As a community, as a people, while you still have the, the while you to make. still have the choice to do, you will decide to for self control, or you will be forced by the worst kind of totalitarianism, which is nature's totalitarianism, in the in the sense of physics, we uh, material realities yeah, yeah, will force you to not have choice anymore. So either you do that. You Yourself, suffer. Yeah. You su- you suffer uh, from. You, well, suffer in the sense that it is a, a struggle and suffering to no longer travel as much. You know, either you make that decision to do that to yourself, or one day, well, you know, you're just gonna have to. You know, you won't have enough kerosene or whatever, or you won't have enough oil, or you won't have enough for your car, or it'll be too expensive, or whatever, and you won't have that electric. You know, car or whatever. It, you know, so, so yeah. That's. Just, I just don't think that that's. Yeah, sure. That might be. Yeah, the right. The be, that's way. right. It'd be the the, the the totalitarianism of nature or something. Right. Like that. It's the totalitarianism. That, that makes sense. I understand a little bit more Na- why nature, you say that. Nature. So I, I I failed to give the context of that, but nature. The, the totalitarianism of nature will be way more, way worse than any kind of totalitarianism. Uh, like the the famines that will come from mm. extreme de- droughts will be so much worse than any kind of asceticism that or minimalism that we mm. would force upon ourselves. That's the kind of so so. There you go. So we just uh, so th- I guess yeah, that's so, kind of yeah. the point that I want to end off of on and off with is that when we're talking about sustainability, we're talking about making a decision right now while we still can. Yeah, because it is the case. It is the case that things are not going well, and there will be a time where 
you know, we will no longer have the resources necessary. We will no longer have the environment we need to survive as to, to well, survival is at stake, quite literally. Extinction is coming and it's coming hard and it's coming a lot faster. So, you know, the so st- starting to think about these things is just it's just the same thing to do. If you don't do that, then either you don't know or you don't care. And if you don't care, I'm your head's buried in the sand, and you're looking to colonize other planets. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. So, and if if colonizing another planet is your is is uh, your the, solution, your the solution to the issue, uh, then it's a non-solution. It's a non-starter. You You've know, already decided not to answer the question. You're basically you're not shooting people, but you're basically you're basically taking you know food from the mouths of others by doing that. Uh, you're you're taking away lives by doing that. You're, you're I don't know you you're wasting resources. You're you're on, honestly wasting resources. Um, it's uh, so, you know, I guess just to end off the rambling, uh, I hope this was somewhat instructive, or I don't know, was, is it meant to be instructive? I don't know. We're kind of getting off some of some of this is cathartic. It's kind of getting this off our chests in a way. Um, so yeah, but it was, it was well, especially for you. I feel. I feel yeah yeah because this is stuff that I just keep in. Uh, studying environmental science is uh, it's fun because I like to do this and study stuff and I like to potentially solve issues with the philosophy and the socio so, social theory that I read and and w- within these environmental issues and all that um, m- my work is very abstract uh, stuff sometimes um, it's not so abstract to me because I can sort of see where what I kind of want to do with these things later on yeah um uh but it's it's important it's important to start thinking about the what we mean by the good life it's really important to start thinking about that because that is going to provide the structure and the parameters through which you know the avenues through which how uh, how we think about resources how we think about what we want to keep doing, what we want to stop doing, how much we want to keep, you know, consuming, where, when, why. Um, it's um, it's important to start thinking about these potentially abstract uh, concepts and, and ideas, questions, uh, and answers, uh, because I mean that's that 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 that's that the issue is there. I think the issue is there, um, and then the solutions. Uh, come directly that's half of the battle for me as a PhD student um, is is asking the right questions and asking them the right way um, I don't find answers often I continuously find questions um, but half the battle is that mm. I think so yeah also there's a point I want to make there you're looking for you're you're you're, you're getting more questions and answers but your answers are never alone. You never find them yourself. You're always already in a community of people looking oh, yeah. for answers. And that's the point I want to hammer down is we cannot do this alone. Yeah. People cannot do this on their own. We have to get together. And people already are getting together because they know that they can't do this alone. It's not like one big um, philosopher is going to come down and they're going to exist or a messiah of some kind is going to give us yeah, a solution. Yeah. There is no magic solution for this. Yeah, so uh, I guess in terms of advice, I would say go out there, 
join your, your, your local environmentalist group, uh, but also join your local workers, uh, uh, you know, your union or your, or just your, be a sympathizer or your, or with party groups, yeah. or whatever. Keep voting if you, if you think that helps. I, th- I think, you know, we can't, I think, I believe in uh, what, what Aurélien Barraud calls a uh, fractal participation in a sense that you participate at every, we need people at every level even when not no voting is, is involved we need people at every level uh, you know making start start making things uh, move in this in you know in the direction of environmentalism or in, in the direction of sustainability yeah. as we have discussed it today yeah, um, it's a very strategic way of looking at it we you know it's um we, we that's that's kind of what I was trying to do with some of these uh, some of the miners the, not the miners but the um, the uh, the uh, mining engineers that I was talking to in in that one um, mining sustainability course that wasn't really a mining sustainability course I was telling them uh, you know it's really nice that there are um, stockholder activists out there that uh, try to change the way mining is occurring out in the world uh, but I think you know you have to have a lot more mining engineering activists who refuse to work for companies that do not care about the environment, do not care about the people they are affecting. Um, you know, we, we need more of that. Unfortunately, the answer to that was, no, we need to put food on the table. I will, con- I will continue to do my job. Well, there you go. You don't care about the environment and you don't care about the people that you're affecting. Just come clean. I would rather people came clean and said, I don't care about the environment and I don't care or those things are not my priorities, than people saying, I care, but I'm not willing to actually do anything about that. Yeah. yeah. And that, those issues are very close to home, too. You don't have to go all the way to Ghana to mine gold. You can just look at uh, resources being mined in indigenous lands here in Canada. Yeah, or, you know, and you know, and, and so, okay, the thing that it's, it's sad, I'm sad for you, that, 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 you know, work, that job that you prepared for all these years, that you studied for, will probably have to stop being so current, widespread, widespread. Yeah. you'll have less job opportunities for that. I'm sorry. But at the same time, the physics tells us, like the, the material reality tells us that this is something that's going to have to happen. Um, and, you know, you're, you're, you're hurting the environment and you're hurting people. I would say for those folks, because they're going to be frustrated, well, I still need to be put, putting foot on the table, and you can't necessarily change your job right away, right? But the, the solution to that is organizing, organizing with other forms of, of labor and laborers yeah. so that you can start changing the world so that you don't need necessarily the job to put food on the table. You can live in a different kind of society that makes it so you have food anyway. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah. or housing. That wouldn't be an issue Basics. if there was basic income. Yeah. You know, if there was basic, you know, be like universal much. basic income, you wouldn't have much of an issue needing to put food on the table and having to sell your soul to the devil. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. See. So, but there's always a solution for that stuff. Uh, but it, obviously, it takes a lot of organization and work. But you yeah. can't always be giving excuses for it, unfortunately. So, so, and see, now that is a great example of what Kyla Tienhar was talking about. You know, when I, when we were referencing how the social issues and the environmental issues are intertwined. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, I think I think we'll be heading out. 
Because it's yeah. getting quite late. It's almost a two. It's almost an hour thirty, uh, forty minutes. So of, yeah. of podcast, but it's. I think it's a good discussion. It's a little haphazard, but it's fine. I mean, that's what our talks are supposed to. be. It's rambling, things. man. Rambling symmetry. Yeah. You know, um, and we're a little hungover. So that's uh, all right. So we did well. But yeah, if you all have any questions for us, definitely don't hesitate to uh, send them our way. And uh, yeah, look up the sources that we'll uh, that we'll reference in in the talk. And uh, and you know read up on this. I definitely highly recommend it. And you know uh, where we are in Ontario, you know there's a, there's a few organizations here and there that you can look into. Uh, uh, here in in the Wellington County, we've got the Wellington Water Watchers. You know uh, there's those folks. There's also labor organizations. People are highly involved in environmentalism all over the place. Uh, yeah. So definitely get yourself you know going with this stuff. You know get active in it. Canada three fifty. Um, is an is an organization an environmental organization that's uh, usually locally run. Um, it's it's uh, it's it's really good really good people in that. Um, um, I I do recommend checking out some indigenous organizations if you have any in the area wherever you're listening from. Um, yeah, um, names are kind of uh, I'm kind of blanking out on specific organization names, but my my memory and uh, the fact that I'm, you know, well, we'll put them in the description. Yeah, we'll put them in the description, and you know, just you know, if you have any questions, just ask. You know, I'll put my uh, my Google email, my Gmail in the description too. If anybody has any specific questions, you can always send me uh, Yanis uh, a message, and you know, I'll read them with Sophie. Yeah, um, you know, if you have any specific we'll talk questions, about we'll try to give some serious answers and serious thought to your questions. Yeah, and again, we're not experts in any sense but you know and uh we started with we started out with coffee we ended up where we are but in a sense it just shows how intertwined all these questions are and in, in a world that is as intertwined as it is um so in yeah. a dizzying fashion so yeah in a dizzying fashion and but the only way we can sort of make the manifold you know make sense to some extent is by discussing it together and coming together with uh, questions answers solutions if there are any so yeah thank you very much for listening and you all have a great year new year 2023 hopefully um and if it's not so great that's fine well it's not fine is it it's uh i don't know it is what it is yeah i'm not good at goodbyes man we're not saying goodbye we're saying see you later see you later